Hello and welcome into the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I am National Recruiting Analyst Cooper Patagno alongside 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting Andrew Ivins. And Drew, a brisk night in Los Angeles, California. It is 11.14 p.m. Pacific time, which means that is, what, what are you, three hours ahead Eastern time? Yeah, something like that. I think we need to apologize on the front end, right? We're going to talk about opening workout of the Elite 11 finals, but we are we are on the road, so we're not in our usual podcast studio. Is that what you want to call it? Like, Yeah, for sure. We're on the road. I mean, I, I, I can see you. Not that we need to give the audience a visual. You're in your hotel room. I'm in my hotel room. You're in bed. I'm in bed. It's been a long yeah. day. I just well, I just want to apologize if there's background noise. I know producer Lance is going to be all pissed off that the, the audio quality is down. So let's just get that out of the way on the front end. That's all right. This is going to be abbreviated episode. Probably what we'll be doing over the next two days is the Elite 11 Finals rolls on. But night one, Elite 11 Finals, Manhattan Beach, California, Redondo Union High School. Drew, just I, I would say there's a lot. Uh, a lot of general thoughts, right? Because there's 20 quarterbacks in the field. I think for us, ample opportunity to get familiar with a lot of these players that we haven't seen in a live setting before. But let's just make it really simple. You're, you're one biggest takeaway from, from tonight. Dylan Rayola's got the goods, right? Uh, the number one ranked quarterback in the country, our number one ranked player. Um I thought he looked the part out there. He was sharp. Uh, consistent's probably a word we're going to toss around a lot here over the next 15 minutes or so. But he threw a different ball than the rest of his peers. And, you know, we ranked the quarterbacks after the first night. And um, there were some college counselors out there, right? You had Caleb Williams, who could be the number one pick in next year's NFL draft. And, it was nice to see Caleb Williams go through some of these same drills and then the co- or the high school kids go through them. And I'm not saying anyone was on the same level as Caleb Williams, but I thought if there was anyone that maybe was in the same realm or at least somewhat tried to challenge him, it was Dylan Rayola. I like how you frame that because, you know, I, I had mentioned it. It was like Caleb Williams was in the same group as Rayola. Right. And I believe Dylan Lagway or uh, DJ Lagway was in that group as well. And it is right. I mean, you you have the standard, like the barometer of college football, the Heisman Trophy winner in that same group. That's what it's supposed to look like. Caleb Williams is a guy that everybody believes is going to be the number one pick in the draft here in 2024. So to see that comparison of what we believe the number one player in the country to look like in Dylan Rayola. And I'll say this, I, I don't want to say he was glossed over, but when we did our preview and our round table and our podcast leading up to this, we didn't spend a lot of time on Dylan Rayola. And I don't, I don't want to say it's like fatigue or anything like that, but I, I wouldn't even pleasantly surprised. I came away from Dylan Rayola's performance saying the number one player in the country looks like the number one player in the country. I, I, I thought he was different right. than everybody out there. And I think we got to point some things out, right? This was a three-hour workout. 
Um, they threw at stationary targets. Then they kind of split up into groups, uh, through to, uh, through a variety of different routes, um, to a group of receivers and tight ends that included some, some high profile blue chippers like Jeremiah Smith was out there. Walter Matthews, the top two, four, seven tight end who just picked USC, uh, who else? Luke Reynolds, the, the top two, four, seven, uh, tight end going to Penn state, uh, Landon Thomas, the FSU committed five-star, but there was also like not the best array of, of skill talent. So there's no pass rush, right? This is night one. Tomorrow we got the pro days. Friday we get the seven on seven. But I, I thought, you know, he was clear ahead of the other guys. And that, that's kind of my takeaway coming out of this. I would say for me, my my biggest takeaway and coming out of tonight was Luke Cromado, which in my eyes and anybody looking for a little bit more of a in-depth, uh, I would say recap of tonight's Elite 11 night one workout uh go to 247sports.com andrew just posted uh a very good article getting you up to speed on everything uh that transpired tonight but i mean drew for me it was luke Cromanoak, right we discussed earlier this week who was the guy that i was most excited to see and it was luke Cromanoak. and to me i kind of came away saying all right like Here's a guy that I felt like you, you want to talk about elite level traits with Dylan Rayola. I, ex I I did not expect Luke Cromanoak in this setting to be as far along as he looked tonight. I mean, he looked super comfortable in this setting and then also very clean mechanically from the lower body to the upper half, live arm, three level passer, can change velocity comfortable on the move, can play with touch. You saw the accuracy. I thought he was one of the most complete players there. And you think about that and what that means for Florida State and Mike Norvell, maybe that's a different conversation. But, you know, we talked about a couple guys that could challenge and maybe move into that top 32 conversation. I didn't have a hunch. Uh, I thought Luke Cromanoak would have to come out and compete at a very high level here in California. Night one – he was everything that I would hope to expect and more. Um, and I, I tell you what, I, I don't want to, I'll say it. I mean, I was kind of blown away, honestly. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to go back and watch him again tomorrow and see if he can kind of carry that momentum over the next two days. Was this your first time seeing him in person? Yeah. Judging by that reaction, 110%. Yes. Yeah, you know, that's I guess the first I time I, I had watched the tape and I you saw like I think the thing that I got excited about, I saw his a lot his last Elite Eleven regionals. And you go back and you watch that tape and you're like, wow, there's a lot more to this guy than I originally thought. And you kind of had that little bit of an excitement building up coming in to the night, and he backed it up. So I I have a similar reaction, but I think maybe I'm not as, as starstruck because I've seen Luke at different points. And I think the most encouraging thing with him is, you know, I saw him playing pads 
what would that have been eight months ago, you know, his second start ever um, down in Miami. And then you see him tonight and you just see the growth, right? Like how far he's come in that short amount of time. And then it's like, there's still plenty of to steal a term from you, like meat left on the bone. And I thought Cromenhoke looked bigger. You know, I was talking with his dad before things got, got going and his, his dad's like, yeah, Luke's up to 200 pounds. And I mean, he just looks so athletic, right? You know, he is, he's over six, three. Um, and, and he is like a limber mover. Like he, he, like he's not tight anywhere in his body. And yeah, it was a, uh, it was very in, encouraging for him. And I, I think he is, is only going to continue to impress as you know they introduce more and more more and more things um at this elite 11 final so yeah big big night for him who else did you like coop i think another storyline and i think another conversation that you and i really were interested coming into this week was 33 and 34 in our top 247 and you know, I, I, I don't want to jump to a conclusion on night one, but I, I, I thought the contrast between Julian Sane and Elijah Brown was, I thought it was notable, right? Like Julian Sane to me was a guy that I kind of had asterisked as like, I got to figure this guy out. Right. right. And, yep. Same thing. You know, I, I didn't know what to expect coming in in this event, but to me, like the label I always had on him was high floor, but how high is the physical ceiling? And I was really impressed with him tonight. I mean, everything that, you know, physically, I thought the arm was a little bit more live uh, than I anticipated. Um, but he's just a, he's a polished passer with a very good command of the position as well. And I thought the biggest thing that stood out with me with Julian saying was, and it, and it shouldn't come as a surprise. I think it was like 72% completion rate last year as a junior at Carlsbad, the accuracy. And he was just steady. I, when, when you talk about like the most steady presence tonight, I thought that was Julian saying, and then you think about Tommy Reese, what they want to do kind of getting back to, I was talking to Julian saying about that. I was like, is it, what's one thing that's maybe stood out to you from Bill O'Brien to Tommy Reese? He's like tight end usage right? A little bit more under center, what they want to do, play a little bit more traditional football like they played in the past at Alabama. I think he's an ideal fit for what Tommy Reese wants to do with that offense. And you know, I was really impressed with him tonight. I thought he was super sharp. Uh, consistent. That's the word with Julian saying. I, I love just how he generates kind of like velocity I mean, I, I, his lower body is is so in tune with his mechanics, um, and it, it's it's fun to watch. And the other thing with Julian saying is, you know, Greg Biggins, who handles the West Coast for us, what he he told you is we were walking off the field that like he didn't think Julian like that was the best of Julian saying, and and I fired back. It's like okay, if this is Julian saying's. B game. I, I can't wait to see his A game in, in this type of setting. But no, he he was good, and 
you, you started off talking about, all right, the conversation for the top quarterback in California. Again, it's night one. This is a three-hour workout. This is one exposure point. But, um, yeah, I thought he popped way more than Elijah Brown, who I thought was bigger in person than maybe I had expected. It, it, I, he, he did some good things. And, of course, we always talk about it with Elijah Brown, the resume and all that stuff. But uh, I think side by side, it, it was clear, at least in this first ex- exposure out here in this setting, that I, th- I think Saiyan uh, made the case that he's the top the top arm in the Golden State. All right. I want to I, I, I get your thoughts on the guy that you were excited about. Hey, I couldn't wait to see out here. DJ Lagway, just overall thoughts because impressive. Here I am asking you a question. I'm answering it myself. <laughs> but, like, you see him 6'3", 220, outside of Rayola. There's nobody out there that looks like him physically. Strong, explosive arm. I think we. I, it, it's interesting, like – if you are an ad- advocate for Lagway, you saw some things to generate that excitement tonight. And if you are on the conservative side of the Lagway evaluation, I think there was enough ammunition there as well. Yeah. I thought he was better than I expected. Is it fair to say that? Like, I. I I think the high, the highs I think he's high. exactly what we expected. Yeah. I don't I, no, I I liked a lot of the things he did. I, I I mean, it's hard to say after night one, like, all right, this guy had the biggest arm, but man, he can he can get it every corner of the field and when he wants to. Now is he gonna get it there accurately every time? I you know, I don't I don't know if that's the case. Uh you were pointing it out when we were sitting in the stands. Kind of that. What, what would you describe that? I mean, it's a it's a deep shot where you kind of have to put the ball on the rope, right, over the middle, back of the end zone. It's a little bit of a touch throw. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's one that I think it's a 20, 25-yard throw where you're working a little bit against the back of the end zone. So ball placement is imperative. And I'm going to – Rayola and Lagway worked consecutively, almost like back-to-back throughout the night. And I thought it was interesting because there was part of Rayola's game that I think we don't talk about enough, but he he plays with feathery touch, right? Everybody wants yeah. to talk about the arm strength and him being able to play off platform and make any throw on the field. And sure, that's a part of his game that's going to be accentuated, and it's very notable, but his ability – to change speeds, you kind of see a little bit of the pitching background there, there. I thought was was something that stood out. But what happens with Lagway, it seems like Lagway is a little bit more of a one-trick pony right now in terms of being able to drive the ball, high-velocity thrower. Right now, it's more of a question, can he make those type of touch throws where you have to fit the ball into a tight window consistently. And, you know, I and some of the things that came up, you talked to some of the people around Elite 11 a little bit. I think with Lagway, and, and this is a positive, this is not a negative, there's a lot of development 
mechanically that is yet to take place, really starting with his lower body. He is a upper half dominant thrower. But when he learns how to transfer his weight, and you talked about that base with Julian saying, right? You talked about that clean mechanics and how he generates velocity. D DJ Lagway is almost right now at this point relying completely on his upper body. Uh, so, and it was, and, and you know what I find fascinating, Drew? There's a lot of this conversation that surrounded Anthony Richardson when he, he was at Florida. If he learned how to play with a consistent base, he was going to be a more accurate quarterback. So, I think that's just something, uh, just something to kind of store um, as something to continue to monitor with DJ Lagway. And if that's part of his game that he can improve. I think overall that's going to help him become a lot more complete of a passer. Now, I will say some of the more impressive or where he looked in his element was they kind of had a – what they do, like a play action and, and you had a rollout and then a coach was running at you. Like he that he looked in his element there, kind of like, you know, moving off platform. I, I thought he was one of the better guys that – at doing that like that looked natural to him right getting out of away from pressure delivering the football uh, i thought dj was good there we're going to take a quick break you're listening to the 24 7 sports football recruiting podcast when you have sports mixed with your pop culture along with humor and celebrity interviews your earbuds are enjoying the rich eisen show dan orlovsky are you still a Jaden daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy i think the three things that make it stand out for me are number one i think his ball placement for his man coverage is the best in the draft every quarterback in the nfl is accurate he's got the best on tape number two most transferable stuff to the nfl and then i think the third thing is pocket peace search for the rich eisen show on youtube or wherever you listen who else did you like? Come on, let's 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 go through some names here. Rapid, yeah, fire. a little a little a little rapid fire. I, to me, you and I wrote about it before coming out here, but I mean, Trevor Jackson kind of uh, he he lived up to the billing a little bit, right? I mean, live arm, second to youngest quarterback in the field. The beauty about Trevor Jackson is he came out, he turned heads tonight. And I don't even think he scratched the surface of what he's going to be. And somebody's going to get a big ball of clay with a guy that has so much physical upside and so much more room to improve mechanically. Like, to me, this still seems new to him. And what we saw tonight was a lot of raw talent. And I, I love, love the idea of Trevor Jackson, uh, which I'm hoping at the next level he finds the right fit because – I think he, he can really grow into something and, and has the potential to be something special. Yeah, the, the ceiling is high on him, right? He is someone that is going to need some seasoning, only a one-year starter. You mentioned the age. I mean, this is someone I've been talking about for the longest time uh, in terms of like, all right, I like this guy. I like this guy. I like this guy. I, I like how he throws the football. I think with him, he's got like this – this free release like it, it seems I don't want to say effortless but like he doesn't labor and he's like I don't know if he's got to get more consistent but man like he can he could put some some mustard on the football and, and he did win the rail shot challenge right so 
you know, he outlasted all those quarterbacks. You know, they start with 20. You kind of miss this throw where you got to throw it down the sidelines. Can't be too far. Can't be too wide. Can't can't be too slow. Um, and he was the best of the best. And his recruitment's going to be kind of interesting, right? Texas A&M has two quarterbacks committed. He just camped there. Talked to his family, you know. They, they like A&M. Pittsburgh's involved. That's the first school that offered him. Uh, and then he's going to visit Missouri at the end of the month, which is still looking for their arm. But, you know, I, I think you could take him as a second quarterback in a class, right? Let him let, you know, with the thought being, hey, we're not putting you on the field right away. I do and have it, a feeling that his recruitment's just getting started. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, it, which is crazy, right? Because this is like uh, the, the like you think about the evolution of Trevor Jackson and when we talked about him, when we initially talked about him on the twenty four seven sports football recruiting podcast, it was like you know I mentioned this last time, but it was teams like Florida Atlantic and Tulane and Appalachian State. Right now, it's A and M, Pittsburgh, Missouri, and I feel like the next time we can talk about him. It might be Miami, right? It could be a handful of other potential suitors that maybe have pivoted in the process that I think a lot of people are going to come away from this event, and this is typically how it happens with collegiate programs. You're going to hear the name, right? Like we're talking about him right now. I've already seen it already. He's been a name that's been talked about tonight. It's going to force a lot of programs that follow this event very closely to go back do their due diligence on Trevor Jackson. And when you start putting the pieces together, when you start thinking about him as a prospect, 6'3", 180 pounds, I think he ran actually relatively well, right? That's a guy that also tested well. A lot of redeeming qualities, already hit on the age. And then you talk about the fact that in terms of physical maturation, what's ahead of him, and then from a mechanical and technical standpoint, there's a lot to like, right? Like you you can talk yourself into Trevor Jackson very easily. All right. I want to go and uh, bring up another guy here because I think in the first 30 minutes, I was like, yep, he's going to be the MVP of this event. Uh, Aaron Oland, right? The Ohio State commit, an Oyster Boys favorite. I thought he showed up. I thought he looked dialed in. I know you didn't put him in the same conversation when it comes to frames and builds as Lagway and Rayola, but it looks like he's like grown an inch. Like he, he looks the part. It's like, whoa. All right. Like, you know, I saw him a bunch back in the spring. Now you see him out here and it's like, he is still growing. And I thought air, you know, didn't put the ball on the ground and, uh, He's the only lefty in attendance. His release is so fast. Um, and his best throws are the ones 10 to 15 yards down the field, outside numbers, trying to hit timing routes. Like, he thrives there. I also thought he was good on the on the play action stuff where you got to hit a guy go, going towards the pylon. I just really liked a lot of what I saw out of Air Nolan tonight. I think he's in the conversation you know, to to challenge and, and push Rayola 
if we're coming out of night one thinking that, hey, Rayola is the guy. Like, it, and we we've discussed this in the past. Like, Air Nolan between the ears is is everything you want. And I think someone didn't someone say that after after checking, right? He did the interview with Josh Pate, which you can find on the twenty four seven Sports YouTube channel. Yeah, that was our that. friend Gabe Brooks. Yeah, who was who who's not here in attendance with us, but ironically enough, that that interview got posted by our our, our social team at twenty four seven Sports on on Twitter, and Gabe I, I had the reaction that said, "You can kind of just tell his disposition and maturity is different." Yeah, I tell you this, man. Like, I enjoy being around him. I've been around him a couple times now. I got to see him at UC Combine in Atlanta. You and I were both there. I got to see him at the Elite 11 Regionals. You talk about a steady presence between the ears. Like, to me, he doesn't get too high. He doesn't get too low, right? And then seeing him tonight, I think within 10 minutes, you text me, Aaron Nolan's <laughs> going to win this thing. And he looked locked in, right? And at Mark Pantone, associate AD, player, player personnel at Ohio State, that one word that they want to associate it with their quarterback. It's winner. Aaron Nolan, laser-focused. I just like the way he plays the game. Now, that being said, we, we talk about what's between the ears a lot. He's got the winner label. I think you said it, Drew. I think he's he's arguably the best intermediate passer in the country and one of the best anticipatory passers in the country as well. Like when you turn on his tape, yeah, maybe maybe there's some drawbacks with being able to get the get the ball into the deep third. It's not his game. But guess what? When you got guys like Jeremiah Smith, some of the other cats that they got at zone six over there. I love that fit. I, I love the fit. And you said it like I, he's just like sprouting up. Yeah. It's like, man, is this guy just getting bigger and bigger? Like, and it's not even like a not like a thickness it's like height right like yeah. he's just getting he's taller like, and taller like, I, he's like, like a, I, it wasn't that long ago where i felt like hey that it wasn't a question but it was something that was like hey you're thinking about that right like is this guy the ideal prototypical height now it's now it's not even a question i think he like michael Penix jr was out there i think he's bigger than Penix, right Penix is uh, seeing him in person for the first time. I mean, he's he's built like a, a safety. Yeah, he's he's he is wide. Um, Last thing on Nolan, I don't know what NBA player yet. I, I I'm trying to you know it's late, so I can't I can't find this comparison. But he's like the guy that is just cool and calm, but has that killer instinct. Like I see that in his eyes. Yeah, or it's Damian like this, Lillard. Like this guy's just gonna go drop sixty. You know what I mean? And like he's not gonna talk the trash while he does it. I just said Damian Lillard. Does that work for you? Yeah, that works. All right, one or one or one or two more names you just want to make sure we mention on night one, and then we gotta we gotta catch some sleep. Uh Colin Hurley, LSU commit. We believe he's the youngest quarterback here. Uh, we've talked a lot about body types. You brought this up in, in the ride home as we or in the line at Carl's Jr. Shout out to Steve Wiltfong for finding that on the <laughs> way home. Uh, 
you know, Hurley, there was there was a time when we were like, all right, is he gonna be big enough? Like all the measurements on him were under under six foot or under six foot and a half. But it seems like his his body is like maturing and I'm not worried about the size at all with him anymore. And I thought he had one of the liver arms down there. Like he hit his spots. He hit his marks. I thought it was a very solid performance for Colin Hurley. And I think we came into this thinking he, he would, he would do well in this setting. Uh, and he did. You think about it. I mean, his, his last weigh in was just a few weeks ago and excuse me, it was in, uh, no, it was in, 217 217 pounds and you talk about like we're talking about Aaron Nolan's frame like Colin Hurley is I don't know if compacts the right word uh, word but like he carries his weight extremely well thick lower half lean upper body and that ball pops pops out of his hand he he is a high velocity thrower he can make any throw on the field you know what he did tonight which it was the first time that I've really kind of seen him. You get into this setting, you're like, you know, I, I talked about it a little bit with DJ Lagway, but I just wanted to see him kind of change speeds a little bit, right? Like, can he play with touch? Can he take a little bit off of it? Is that in his toolkit? And I saw that a little bit tonight. And you like those flashes, especially for a younger quarterback. I'm with you, Drew. I, I wasn't really surprised by anything he did. I think the biggest thing with Hurley is like he's a he's a muddied evaluation, right? He, what was he? Fifty five percent completion rate. I think TDD TD to INT last year at Trinity Christian was was sixteen to five. Yeah, fourteen hundred yards passing. The production was just okay, at best. The projection. There's so much to like, right? And I'll tell you this, the two programs that come out of the Elite 11 after night one, that you're like, all right, these guys kind of made out like bandits. Florida State with Luke Cromanoke and LSU with Colin Hurley. I, I came away saying, all right, both, both of these programs got something with these guys. I'll throw a third program in the mix. TCU, Haas Henney. I, uh, There's a lot I, of love for Hoss Henny around here. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess I should say a disclaimer. Like, I think I interviewed 18 of the 20 quarterbacks and got five minutes of them asking them kind of off the ball or off the wall questions. And like, I I love Hoss. Like, I just love his his mindset. You know, he knows who he is. Um, and I just I just like the person in terms of his competitive spirit and another guy that played wide receiver. And I, I thought he had a, a solid night as well. We keep using that word solid. And, and Haas is, I don't know, is he six foot? Like, I, I, I thought he was under six foot, but maybe I'm under six foot now. And uh, but he is he's got he's a compact build this short release and it just all works like he can make the throws and he made it far in the rail shot challenge. Um, but he did some, 
some impressive things considering the fact and it's kind of like with dj lagway like this is this is a true dual threat type of guy and you know tcu they lose marco devia to purdue after garrett riley leaves then they get haas who's who's a boss they get him and i think he's just gonna he's just gonna fit like that uh that system and, and by the way, Cooper, you'll like this. Haas told me that uh, in, his, in his spare time, he, he, he can, I think, he, I think the term was, yeah, I can strum the guitar a little bit. Plays a lot of covers. Uh, you know, so uh, that was an interesting nugget. But I, I think TCU, that, that fit, that marriage is awesome. And he would have been great if he had went to Duke and, and honored his original commitment. I think he would have been really fun in that offense as well there, you know, with what the Blue Devils are doing uh, with Riley Leonard and and whatnot on offense. I can already see Sonny Dykes with the sweatshirt, Haas the boss. (laughs) Didn't he? He had one for Duggan or something like that. He was kind of like a – he looked like a second baseman to me, you know, and and what I mean by that is like you talk about that all the time with Jaden Davis. Like he kind of looks like a middle infielder with that compact frame. You talk about the way that he generates velocity, really good lower body mechanics, quick, compact release. But that ball explodes out of his hand. You know, he can drive it. And I think he's going to be a heck of a player on Saturdays. I don't know where his future is going to be if he has the opportunity to play on Sundays. And I, I don't want to take anything away from him. I, I, I think definitively I can say that I've, he's going to be an ideal fit for what TCU wants to do at the quarterback position, especially Kendall Bryles, who has done a really good job with guys like K.J. Jefferson in the past and being able to maximize their dual threat ability. You, you talk about Hall Saney being a former receiver. I think that over uh, – 500 yards or something like that. Um, He had a lot more than that. Had over 1,200 yards rushing, 15 touchdowns last year for Alito. So, yeah, no, I I love that fit. Um, Two more guys. I'm not going to go in-depth on them, but Daniel Kalen out of Nebraska, he's kind of like – he's a little bit of a sweetheart for me, you know. Um, I just – I like the clay, and I think if you're Nebraska, like he's Big Ten, ideal fit backyard i think that's a really good in-state developmental take and speaking of that i kind of like what texas tech and joey mcguire got in will hammond yeah like he did he did some good things tonight and yeah i, I i'm glad you brought up those two and then i want to bring up ethan grunkmeyer the penn state commit who uh has created some buzz after his his opening session i i thought and it's funny, one of our producers for the YouTube channel came up to me, who obviously like isn't in scouting, and he's like, Man, that kid can like rip it. And I'm like, <laughs> it's funny. I like literally had that exact same thought. I mean, my first time seeing Ethan throw. Um yeah, he he can there's something there, and and I'm in, intrigued to see more of it here over the next two days and you know, when you dig into the profile on Ethan, it's like it's it's interesting, right? 
He started 22 games over the past two years. He's got a losing record. Um, and it's like, okay, like, I just think Penn State made a, a very solid evaluation. I was talking with Ethan about this, like, in January, he had two offers. They were like MAC offers. I th- actually, I think one of them was an Ivy League. Fast forward a few months, he's like, my phone doesn't stop ringing. Ends up committed to Penn State, and then, you know, he finishes in our top eleven on, on night one. Like, I think the arrow is pointing up for him, um, and you know, working with the same coach, the same trainer. That uh, that the same guy that groomed Drew Aller uh, there in Ohio. Um, so excited to see what what he does. But I, I I thought he flashed and deserved some recognition after after night one. It's his second straight year that Penn State James Franklin offensive coordinator Mike Yursich have just. It seems like when they're running out of real estate in the quarterback market. All of a sudden, you look up. You got Drew Aller, Jackson Smolik, and Ethan Grunkemeyer, and you're like, those are all three guys. Obviously, we know about Aller, but with Smolik and with Grunkemeyer, you got two guys with NFL traits. In my opinion, is that fair to say? Right. Yeah. That, that have a lot of development left ahead of them. So. You got to give him a ton of credit. I don't, I don't think we've really said his name at all on this podcast, Grunkemeyer or Mike Mike Yersich. So, man, a lot a lot to unload. We didn't even really get to talk on on Jaden Davis, who you know we we kind of said his back was up against the wall coming in to this event, and this was going to have to be a guy that you know was going to have to play well. Um, in all honesty, to keep his five star ranking and super solid. Um, and, you know, a couple other guys that maybe we didn't touch on, Puglisi, maybe we save him for tomorrow, right? But Yeah, we can get to those guys tomorrow. Yeah, but as of right now, Drew, I mean, hey, final thought. I was cracking up when we were sitting out there. It's like end of the night. And our guys in the production crew, CBS Sports and 24-7, they're awesome. But it's me, you, and Fong, and we're out there. I mean, you and I just freezing up there, man. I'm holding the microphone. It's like, you know, I'm just like toughing up, shivering. <laughs> I'm waiting for that video to come out to see how bad it was. They wouldn't w- let me wear my my beanie. Yeah. Can't do that, coach. You got to look professional. Uh, but, Drew, great job, man. Productive night one here for the 24-7 sports team here out in California. Guys, if you're listening to this, Tomorrow morning, once producer Lance gets us up and running, make sure to subscribe to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast, Apple, Spotify, the usual suspects, wherever you find your podcasts. Also, make sure to leave a rating and review. But for the Oyster Boys, Andrew Ivins, Cooper Patan, and guys, we appreciate you listening. We'll be back tomorrow, probably, with another podcast. Talk a little bit more Elite 11. Drew, any final thoughts? Are you good? You crushed the exit. Thank you. Thanks, Bubba. Make make, right. make sure you make sure you save this podcast. Do not lose it. Yes. You know what? I was getting ready to leave the studio and not press any recording. All right, guys, we're gonna get out of here. We'll see you tomorrow.